welcome to Archive Treasures, where we delve into the collection of the Trentham and Districts Historical Society to see what treasures we can discover. Each episode of Archive Treasures, we will be speaking to a member from the Historical Society. They will be telling us about something special, an object that has been preserved as part of the archival collection, an interesting event that occurred, or a project that the Society is undertaking. Archive Treasures is produced on Jajawarong country. We acknowledge and pay respects to the traditional owners, and we would also like to extend our respects to their elders, both past and present. The quarterly record and newsletter has been a long-standing publication of the Trentham and District Historical Society since its inception in 1987. The following are snippets from the earliest editions of the recorder. The articles are read as they were presented, so in some instances, in the first person. So no, the reader wasn't a plane spotter in World War II, of Chinese descent, or a gold miner in the early days of Trentham. We hope you enjoy and that the selection is of interest. Trentham Historical Society Recorder, Volume 7, Number 36, March 1994. The recorder is published quarterly by the Trentham Historical Society. President, Councillor David Drummond. Vice President, Jack Langford. Secretary, Elizabeth McInerney. Treasurer, John Cook. Public Officer, Councillor David Drummond. Editor, Bruce McKenzie. Meetings are held in the Mechanics Hall at 8pm on the third Monday of each month, excepting January. Everyone welcome. Trentham Historical Society, Inc. Recorder, Volume 9, Number 44, 1995. Lighting in Trentham. Prior to 1922, lighting in Trentham would have been provided by kerosene lamps and lanterns, and also candles. Some of the photos of early Trentham show the large street lamps which were located at strategic points around the town. One old lamppost still stands at the corner of Cosmo Road and West Street by Stan Clark's house. Two of the lamplighters, Mr William Goodison and Samuel Davy, lit the lamps of an evening and extinguished them in the morning with the aid of a short wooden ladder. Some carbide lamps were also used and produced a very bright and white light. The carbide was held in a container at the base of the lamp while above it was a tank which dripped water oil to the carbide, which then produced a flammable gas. Carbide lamps were often used for lighting on bicycles. The Kite and Shire Council in 1922 built a powerhouse on the east side of the north end of Leland Street, across the road from Truella Brothers' office. A large mound of earth covers the still-existing concrete foundations on which a 20-horsepower suction gas engine was mounted, charcoal and water being the ingredients which provided the gas needed for its operation. 
The powerhouse was a large wooden building with a corrugated iron roof. A heavy belt from the engine drove the alternator, which produced an alternating current of 240 volts. The plant operated for several hours each evening, and was also put into operation on Wednesday afternoons for the benefit of ladies doing their ironing. As more people had power connected to their homes, the electricity supply became inadequate, so a 35-horsepower vertical diesel engine was installed, coupled directly to the alternator, and this was in use until the State Electricity Commission ran a line from Kyneton in 1939. Truella Brothers supplied men to operate the powerhouse, and two of these men were Reuben Elliott and Frank Hammond. Leland Street runs parallel to Stony Creek, from High Street to Victoria Street, and was probably named by Mr Benjamin Truella, who was born at Leland, Cornwall, England, on October 31st, 1854. James Hayes Blacksmith's and Wheelwright Shop was once situated at the southwest corner of Leland Street in the 1880s and 1890s, and a town well was nearby. Trentham Historical Society, Inc. Recorder, Volume 9, Number 45, June 1995 Although Trentham Township is situated on the northern edge of the Trentham Blackwood Goldfields, where extensive mining was carried out, it appears that little was done in the actual town area. There are, however, indications that gold was sought and found, but not in payable quantities. One such area is what was known as dry diggings and covered what is now the rubbish tip and cemetery. A dam was constructed at Newberry Corner and a race carried water to work these diggings. The claim covered two acres and was worked by Donald McPherson and a party of four men, the claim being granted in 1863. The dam on Newberry Flat near the head of Stony Creek was 200 yards long by 110 yards wide, and the water race was three-quarters of a mile long, incorporating two wooden flumes across gullies. I have no records of the gold yield, or for how long the claim was worked. Nearby was a shaft a short distance down Old Golden Point Road, and another in Clark's property, while to the west in Matheson's, is still a shaft and signs of other work. Further west still, between Old Blue Mount Road and Mulcahy's Road, were some shallow workings, and following this line north to what was once known as Billy Goat Hill, at the junction of Mulcahy's Road and Hill Street, was a well-worked area, with many shafts to a depth of 10 to 15 feet. Much gravel was removed from here, and used in the construction of the railway line. Several mullock heaps are in the Forest Commission property, and a large one in Old Lionville Road, in what was once Dyte's property. There was also a shaft at the side of the road, near Gerald McCashney's. Some work was also done in the paddock between Ty Barnes House and the Truella Brothers Foundry. Records show that a party of men obtained 60 ounces of gold from railway property in three months, 
The exact spot is not known, but old workings show near where the signal once stood, on the Fernhill side of the railway station. Also, I recall a shaft falling in a few yards from the east end of the goods shed, some years ago. Signs of prospecting show in the paddocks between the station and Falls Reserve, with work being done in several places in the reserve. In the paddock on the east side of the old police station, there appears to be at least 17 infilled miners' holes, and it is said a tunnel leads from these, in a northerly direction, under the road to where other depressions, which indicate infilled holes, appear. Some of these are in and in front of the Methodist churchyard, and more are near Mrs Swift's house at the corner of Market and Camp Street. Another line of working extends from the top hotel, Fir Tree Cafe, through to the disused gravel pits opposite the old swimming pool. A few hundred yards on were two shafts, one either side of Victoria Street. A tunnel also runs under the road about a chain above the Mechanics Hall where a depression in the bitumen indicates it. Water seeps from the lower end of this in winter. Holes often were known to collapse in on the roadside beside Kath Ryrie's house at the corner of Market and Albert Streets, and a depression is regularly filled in on the edge of the road near Smallman's. You're listening to Archive Treasures, Each episode, we dig deep to find treasures from within the archives. Trentham Historical Society Recorder, Volume 7, Number 38, September 1994 Chinese on the Goldfields Chinese were lured in their thousands to the Australian goldfields during the rush of the 1800s. Some of the lucky ones struck it rich and returned to China. But for many, life on the goldfields was a meagre existence. There was sometimes friction between the Chinese and Europeans, and mostly was instigated by Europeans resentful of Chinese presence on the fields. The Chinese were found to be industrious and patient workers, and often made a living from gold the impatient white men had left behind. The holes they dug were rounded, and so had no corners in which evil spirits could hide. When alluvial gold was becoming depleted, many Chinese turned their hand to other means of livelihood, with some becoming shopkeepers, and many developing market gardens. Mrs Jessie Stevens told me she remembered, as a girl, seeing Chinese walking between Blackwood and Trentham with their baskets of vegetables and chickens to sell. Two known market garden sites are in Trentham, and the Historical Society has a photo of the Chinaman's house, which was opposite the Mechanics Hall, and where Acott's nursery is now established. The Chinaman's spring is still to be found between the nursery and Trent Creek. The other site is above the convent. Only one Chinese gravesite can be identified in the Trentham Cemetery, and has no headstone but is believed to be that of Jimmy R. Yu, who once lived at North Blackwood. There are at least two Chinese headstones in the Dalesford Cemetery, one at Spring Hill and nine left at Blackwood, 
where there are many unmarked mounds due to the headstones being stolen. Trentham Historical Society, Inc. Recorder, Volume 10, Number 49, 1997, The VAOC. The Volunteer Air Observers Corps was organised during World War II, when Australia was in grave danger of invasion by the Japanese. Its function was to monitor aircraft movements on a -a 24-hour-a-day basis. And although this organisation carried out such valuable work, it received little recognition and today has been mostly forgotten. A network of observation posts was set up across the country and these were operated by the women folk in daylight hours and men at night. Our post, which was codenamed Fox 19, was a hut on Cranny's Hill off the East Trentham Road and this provided a good vantage point, but was very cold and windy. A telephone was attached to the hut, and binoculars were provided, as well as a standard reference book of aircraft recognition. This contains silhouettes of aircraft, with dimensions and instructions on aircraft identification. Headquarters in charge of our district was O3C, Control Post Ballarat. When an aircraft was heard or sighted, details were entered into a logbook, and dates in the logbook to hand commence on the 19th of May 1943, finalised on the 15th of September 1945. And during that period of time, over 12,000 aircraft movements were recorded. Details provided, when possible, were type of aircraft, number, height, direction of flight and any other relevant information. Quite a few planes forced landed in our area and some with tragic results. One such landing was in Hanson's Paddock in Kyneton Road and another in Watson's property near the Tilden Railway Station. Also, one was at Wood End with fatalities and another at Bacchus Marsh and no doubt there would have been many others. Reports are in the logbook of planes circling while trying to get their bearings, some with landing gear down and readiness for an emergency landing, and others with motors out. On the night of the 25th of October 1943, Alvin Robson and I were on night duty when a call came through asking for extra vigilance as there was a report of enemy planes off the coast, but we had an uneventful night. After going off duty at 7am next morning, had a quick breakfast before commencing work at 7.30 at Truella's Foundry. This was normal procedure. Aircraft observed, recognised and entered in the logbook are as follows. Oxford, Ventura, Vega Gull, Liberator, Wirraway, Douglas, Tiger Moth, Kitty Hawk, Mitchell, Anson, Beechcraft, Dakota, Lodestar, Fortress, Beaufort, Avenger, Hudson. There is now no trace of the spotter's hut, but maybe a plaque could be erected near the site sometime in the future by the Society. Many thanks to Shirley Shannon, Truella, for information supplied, also to her sister, 
June Alexander for her help. You have been listening to Stories from Within the Archives. I'm Rosie Hill and this is Archive Treasures. If you would like to hear further episodes, you can find our podcasts on our website, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and the Podbean app. Archive Treasures is produced by the Trentham and Districts Historical Society. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to hs@trentham.org.au or go to our Facebook page, Trentham and Districts Historical Society, Australia. I hope you can tune in next time for more Archive Treasures. <laughs> <laughs>